Welcome to the Denver United podcast series on leadership in every season. Our hope is to equip you to be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus in our city. Hello, Denver United, and welcome to another episode of our podcast series, Leadership in Every Season, where we're looking, as the scripture teaches, to equip the saints to create an environment, a context for uh, strengthening and encouraging God's people to speak the truth in love, to bring uh, good sense and compassion and wisdom and truth and hope into a, a public conversation that at times devolves into chaos and Uh, disorder and fear. All of us have an unprecedented opportunity as God's people, as Jesus followers, to inject life, to recreate in this uncertain and fearful time, and to see how God is using you all to do that. It's been so encouraging. This week, we're going to turn our attention to the subject of business, and business as a whole has been embattled during this economic climate, which has followed the global pandemic. And it's a big question mark as to where we go from here and what this means for our economy and what this means for so many of us who are business owners, large and small, and who are working in industries and sectors of industry that have been deemed inessential right now and thus are sitting at home. How does this play out and how are we as God's people to respond? My guest today is Bob Grant, who many of you know. He is one of our elders. He's a dear friend and a mentor to me, and he's a veteran of uh, corporate America and of business leadership at the highest levels. Bob, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm so glad that uh, you're taking a few minutes to share with us in this season of your life. Um, You're working in, in mentorship and consulting of of leaders in emerging businesses, but your background uh, is in business uh, across a wide variety. This is hardly your first crisis uh, as a businessman. Can you give us just a little bit of your backstory? Sure, sure. Well, I started in uh, uh, big corporations, but right at the bottom. So, you know, doing, uh, working in warehouses and uh, ordinary types of things and uh, found myself uh, working my way up and into a mid-level management job, then senior management in large corporations. By large corporations, uh, I mean ones with hundreds of thousands of employees. And uh, about halfway through my career, decided that I'd really rather be in a small business and doing that. So shifted and have been involved in small businesses, helping them grow, helping them find their way and uh, to... Um, basically excel. And uh, from that, attempted to retire a couple times. My wife fired me both times and <laughs> found myself as uh, an investor in businesses and an advisor to businesses and on boards of uh, small high-tech businesses. And that's what I've been doing mostly for the last 10 plus years. So in the second half of your business career and in this season, uh, as invi- advisor, investor, sitting from the board's perspective, looking on to emerging um, and sort of fast company type companies, you have a finger on the pulse in particular of how those who are, uh, who are experiencing this economic crisis are, are going through it at the front levels. But before we get to that, um, I would imagine just by virtue of, of your seniority and wisdom in life that 
you have led and uh, served in business through crises before this one. What have you learned from those that uh, would be informative and helpful for us now that puts this in perspective? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is to is is to just start with kind of the headline, which is this too shall pass. When you're in the middle of it, it doesn't seem like it will, uh, but it always does. The question really is, what will the economy look like? What will the marketplace look like? And what will your business be like, be like afterwards? So I've been through, as you said, many of these uh, sets of circumstances uh, from anywhere from being an employee and wondering if I would have a job at the end uh, to being a senior executive and wondering if I could make payroll and keep people on the payroll. So it's been that whole uh, range of uh, things in that. And in the midst of that also have been in a place where I've seen my IRA drop by, you know, 50%. Like in water, uh, you know, a tide raises all boats or lowers all boats. That's really what this is. It's part of the the rhythm, uh, if you will, of life. It's just that um, we forget that there are always big events in life that occur far less frequently, and they tend to scare us a little bit. Um, we also forget that there's as many highs as there are lows. And uh, we're in the midst of the, when we're in the midst of the highs, we aren't. We tend not to be afraid, and uh, not really make sure that our anchors are set the way that they ought to be. So, but um, from the dot com implosion in 1999 uh, up till present, there have been these massive events that occurred. By working in high tech, I've actually seen more of these events than uh, in other businesses, because sometimes core businesses don't experience what high-tech businesses do, the large swings. And unfortunately, I've seen companies fail. I've seen great companies fail. And they failed for a variety of reasons, which we can talk about later. But I've also seen great companies succeed. And so it's important to understand what makes a leader be able to succeed or fail during times like this. You mentioned the dot-com implosion and then Y2K. Uh, those were sort yep. of linked. Yep. Shortly after that, we had 9-11. Uh, fast forward a decade and there was the economic recession of 08 and 09, fueled by mortgage-backed securities and other factors that are above my pay grade. Um, some of those crises uh, had challenges that were particular to them and others, I would imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, have or had challenges that are common among yes. seasons of crisis. What's the right. same about the events that you've led through and what's particular in your observation about the current crisis? Well, the things that are the same are that you, you as a leader, you have to have you have to have vision. You can't look at your circumstances, either yours personally or your company's. You have to look at the bigger picture and try and get an understanding of what's happening and where all of it's going. Um, I think, in particular, that's a mistake that some people make is that they begin to become myopic in their focus and not looking across at 
at, at what's happening and not preparing uh, for that. Um, in the dot-com implosion, the biggest mistake the companies made was that it was preceded by three glory years of just unprecedented growth and investors were throwing money at companies and companies were wasting money and not realizing that they should have been socking it away. Nobody knew that there would be a tough time uh, coming up as a result of that. And um, so I, I think part of it is always having a strategy in place that puts you in a position to be able to respond to market conditions that change radically for you. Um, I think in this circumstance, this is more broad-based than anything that I've seen in the sense that these shutdowns are to some degree artificial from a market conditions perspective. In other words, people still want to buy products and services, companies still want to offer them, but there, there's a gap between the buyers and the sellers that's artificial in the sense that it's created by this pandemic and the related orders to it. And so it's a little bit more frustrated to think I've got valid products and services. I've got customers who want it, but I can't get my products and services to my customers. I can't make that connection. This is the time for good strategy. This is the good time. This is the time for planning ahead. And um, I, I, th I think that this actually, depending on how you look at it, it, for some companies is actually a growth opportunity. Hmm. And for others, it's an opportunity to reassess your cost structure and to determine, have we even built our company properly? Is there another way to do it? So I want to come back to some of these practical coaching points for our folks and for those that, that they're friends with and walking with through such hard times. But I want to dial in on a couple of things you said and, and see if you can help me break it down in layman's terms. I think I understood you to say that what's different, or at least one thing that's different about this crisis from previous, is that the the limitations to business are more extrinsic, whereas yeah. um, in 0809 they were more intrinsic to the right. economy. In other words, the economy maybe was sick then, and so the symptoms caught up to it, whereas now the economy, relatively speaking, is fairly healthy. but buyers and sellers are being forbidden from coming together right. to do business. That's got to be maddening for you as an advisor, as, a, as an investor, and all the more for the business leaders whom you serve. But is there also a silver lining to that? Is that not also encouraging in the sense that once the ban is lifted, um, we're off to the races and maybe there's pent up demand? Well, I think that's a great point. The question will be, um, you know, what is lifted and when, but you're exactly right. The, the, the market was extremely healthy when this hit. And so there was no underlying problem with the market, no underlying problem with the economy. Um, buyers had cash, buyers had access to cash, uh, and there was a thriving economy. And so to some degree, you could even view this as somebody pulled a rope across people in the midst of a race, and they're just standing there ready to go. Some people have spent their energy on being angry and upset. Some people have spent their energy on trying to get around the rope. And the smart ones stepped back and refreshed themselves. 
reassessed and they're now preparing to say, what do we do um, when this when this goes forward? I think, though, the unfortunate outcome of this is that there will be businesses that cannot restart. There will be businesses that die before it happens. And the reason is, is that the number one issue for small businesses is access to capital. And when your revenue dries up, that's your primary access to capital. And so if you don't have reserves to cover your expenses with no new capital coming in, there are some businesses that won't be able to restart. There are some government programs to help with that, uh, but they're taking too long and it may be too little too late. So it's going to be a mixed bag. There'll be some businesses that restart and uh, just take off. There will be businesses that are better than they were before and some will go to step on the gas and there'll be nothing there. Bob, the hardest part about hearing you say that and resonating with it as I've walked with so many in our congregation who are in each of those boats is that most of them, they were doing a good job providing right. a, a desirable product and right. doing it in a way that was cash flow positive. Maybe they didn't have or hadn't had the time to accrue uh, a cash reserve to weather this storm, but right. um, but their businesses just aren't going to be able to reopen. Like for example, I, as you know, I live in Washington Park West. You were my neighbor here for a long time. We were surrounded by a number of, of restaurants and food service industry is notoriously um, narrow in its profit margin anyway, all the more in an area where the rent is so high. Several of the businesses in, in your old neighborhood have already put up signs saying we will not open. We will not reopen. These are businesses that people liked, that we went to, that thrived. Yeah. Yeah. Um, perhaps they could have stored away more for uh, for the winter. Perhaps their margin just didn't allow them to. I, I, I have no interest in judging them, um, but I feel a great deal of compassion for them. And I think as we look ahead, before we get to where do we need to go and what should we be thinking about praying for and talking about what needs to happen um i think it's really important just the 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 sober judgment and the empathy that, that you were just speaking of and modeling that we as god's people whether we're business people and business owners or not be able to understand this is painful on a much deeper level than simply not being able to uh, provide for my family next month right the thing that's interesting about this, Rob, so by the way, I, I've been speaking predominantly of small businesses. W what some people don't realize is that 90% of the businesses in the United States are small businesses. Wow. 90%. And they provide 50% of the employment. So big corporations get a lot of attention around employment because um, a fewer number of companies have far more employees. But small business represents 50% of employment. That means the reason this is important to people who aren't leaders or owners of businesses is because it will determine your ability to get back to work and your ability to earn as a result of that. So a great economy, which we've been in the midst of, hides poor leadership. It hides lack of strategy. It hides uh, poor business practices. It uh, covers up poor decisions. An economy like this or circumstances like this unveil all of that. So you mentioned some companies that already have said they're not going to reopen. Some companies have lived so close to the margin for so long 
they didn't realize what would happen if this kind of an event occurred uh, to them. Uh, the un really unfortunate part is for some, they were hoping their retirement plan would be to sell their business at some point. Now it's going to shut down. Mm. And um, there will, the, the, the flip side of this is that if you're one of the businesses that had leaders who were planning and preparing and looking ahead, you are someone right now who is planning to reopen and figuring out what have we done right and what have we not done well? What should we stop doing that we have been doing? What should we do differently than we've been doing? And what should we be doing that we have not been doing? One of the side benefits of this, I'm in the technology industry predominantly, is that this circumstance has validated technology. It has validated the ability to do Zoom meetings. It has validated the ability to order online, ship online, conduct your business online. It has validated the ability to do telemedicine online. It is causing us to reassess all sorts of processes that we just allowed as a, as a country to move forward just by force of, of just that's the way we always did it. Well, why is that the way we always did it? And is there another way to do it? And I think that there are going to be fundamental changes to business as a result of this when we reopen. And I do believe that new businesses will be formed and are forming now, and that many companies will reassess what are they doing, why are they doing it, and they'll come out fresher, leaner, stronger than they ever were. And I'm not ignoring them that some of them just simply won't make it. And that's the unfortunate part, but it's also part of just the cycle of how these things happen. Boy, there's so many things you're saying that I want to dig in on and ask you more about. Um, you you referenced the cycle and the um, th that in a sense, the market has a mind of its own. I've heard it referred to in, in economics as the invisible hand. Um, we can't control it, but we can... Uh, respond wisely to it. Um, before we go there, though, let me back up and ask you. Um, all of us are sitting at home, some of us able to do our work, others of us waiting to be able right. to do our work or wondering what, what will be left of the shambles of our work when the world turns right side up again. Um, right. What should we be thinking about? What should we be doing? What should we, we collectively as the church be wishing for? Well, I think broadly as the church, we should be we should be wishing for that things get back to normal sooner rather than later. I, when I say back to normal, it will never be the way it was. So there's a new normal, but that businesses will have somehow the opportunity to get open sooner rather than later. Uh, for those of us who are workers, we need to get back to work. We need to be able to uh, cover the income for our family. Uh, for students, we need to get back into school and we need to start interacting. Um, we need the ability to get back. As Christians, I believe what we need to do is create a new normal uh, as part of the reopening of this and prepare for that, which is, you know, for lack of a better term, using borrowing old ones, a kinder, gentler uh, kind of an environment. You know, it the, the, the environment got so toxic uh, in, in, in the last six, eight years um, that it was bleeding into businesses where, where, where it was showing up. And I think we all need to reset on that. 
and step back and say, how can we be more tolerant and kinder, gentler to everybody around us mm. and think about what their circumstances are. So if, if I were sitting there and uh, was one of the ones who could not work from home and uh, uh, just what do I do? Um, I would be focusing, you know, I would be focusing on what God's doing in my heart. I would make sure that I'm transformed. I would use this as a time to say, um, God building me, creating me a clean heart, a new heart. I would, I would look for ways to, for God to transform me to ensure that I fully have the fruit of the spirit operational in my life, that I really understand the word. Um, I would be practicing connecting uh, with other people. And I think that when we get reopened and, and life gets going again, I think people need to connect more. My wife mentioned that uh, she had to go to the grocery store this morning. So wearing her mask and wearing her gloves, she was walking in the store and she said, I came across other people in the store. And she said they wouldn't make eye contact. It was like, you know, you have the plague. Well, yeah, we're supposed to social distance, but that doesn't mean that we, uh, you know, that, that, that you can't make eye contact, that you can't correct, you know, connect with other people. Um, so I, I think that's really an issue for us uh, as Christians is, is how do we show love in the midst of this? There's a lot of frustration. There's some people facing depression and other things. How do we reach out to them um, and encourage them and be encouraged ourselves? Mm. So much good there. Good practical as well as business wisdom. I'd like to add that we as consumers show love to our brothers and sisters and to our community uh, who are business owners and, and whose futures are uncertain by simply taking the, the, the clear, established dangers seriously. And some of us are taking it super seriously and are, are highly vigilant. And others of us kind of uh, model a degree of invincibility, whether we feel that about ourselves or not. You know, um, I ventured out yesterday to the UPS store and had a bandana on and was, you know, washing my hands obsessively. And, and there was one person in line who was doing that. And another person in line who, um, was acting as though, um, nothing had happened or this is all a little dumb. And whether we feel vulnerable to getting sick or not, we're either part of the solution or we're part of the problem. So let's all be good citizens of humanity and of the business environment and love our brothers and sisters who are business people by creating an environment that is quickly safe and trustworthy for them to be able to get back to work. Sure. The spiritual basis for that, Rob, is in First Peter, where Peter talked about weaker Christians. And he said there might be someone who uh, doesn't want to eat something, doesn't want to do something, but I will, I will not eat that in front of them so as to not hurt them. I will not do that in front of them, even though for me it's clean, even though for me it's pure, even though for me it's right, I will set aside my desires in order to serve that with the weaker. So you, I totally agree with you. We should do this so that we are conveying to others, I respect you. And so I'm covering my mouth and my hands in order to respect you. Whether It doesn't have anything to do with whether or not I believe that I am 
going to infect you or you're going to infect me. I'm doing it. It's a show of respect for other people. I totally agree with you. Yeah, it says it's not, I may be okay, but it's not all about me. That's Never right. has our interconnectedness and our interdependence been more at the forefront. Right. Something else you said a moment ago I wanted to come back to uh, with regard to showing love to and, and, and actively serving our business leadership community within our church and beyond. Um, it, empathy takes understanding, a deeper, mm. more nuanced level of understanding. You stressed something that's it's a hard thing to hear and it's a hard thing to re-say, but it seems like a practical inevitability. And that is that some businesses won't reopen. And it could be, if I hear you right, that some industries or some sectors of industry are going to be outmoded and other sectors of industry are going to become big business. Like here you and I are connecting and recording a podcast on Zoom. I didn't know what Zoom was a year ago. Now everybody Zooms. We're all becoming Zoom ninjas. And so that the market giveth and the market taketh away. We can't make that change. This is the work of the so-called invisible hand, but we can be compassionate about that reality. Somebody's business is her or his livelihood, but it's her or his dream as well. Right. Right. How do you, you've walked through startup companies that have explosively succeeded and you've walked through startup companies that probably didn't, didn't get off the ground. Um, and that's deeply personal. How do you respond to people who are in that boat? How do we care well? Well, I, you, you used a very important uh, uh, terminology there, and that is that this is their vision. This is their desire for their life for these businesses. Um, you know, very few people start a business because they think it's one that they're going to get rich in. They start businesses because it's their passion. They start businesses because they feel that they have a gifting that they can employ in some way. Some people start businesses in order to hire other people. Some people start businesses in order to help the public in some way. And so it's, it's, it's very passionate. I would, I would treat business owners who lose their business like someone who has a loss in their family. Uh, it, it really is that deep and it really is that personal. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I would go so far as to say, I'm sorry for your loss, but I would say, you know, I'm sorry that you lost your business. And I would be very uh, empathetic with that and understanding it because it, it might, part of it's their passion, but it also is their livelihood. And for some people, they, their life savings will be gone there. I know of people who, you know, they, they, um, they mortgaged their house. Uh, they put, uh, they put all their cash into it. Uh, they, they, uh, you know, maybe acquired equipment and other things and suddenly it's sitting idle. Uh, n- now the loans are coming due. Uh, they have to give it back. They can't, they can't do that. And there are people who are going to have, financial trouble recovering from this at all. And so I think we really need to be um, aware of that and not be flippant uh, about it and not assume that just because the economy reopens that everybody's fine. It's going to take a while. The good news is that the new businesses will eventually have room to hire people from the businesses that close Mm -hmm. and uh, that there's an opportunity for people to um, retool themselves and to re-engage and to become a part of this on a bigger scale. 
Hearing you describe the response of compassion to somebody as though they lost a loved one, um, the, the loss of their livelihood, perhaps their life savings, perhaps their lendability in the future, as well as their, their dream, their passion. Um, that's a loss that's real and it's going to endure long beyond this season of crisis in all likelihood. Um, th- <laughs> It's thorny ground, but we're all aware of it. This issue has gotten hijacked, the issue of the economy and business and whether or when, how it's restarted, whether it's restarted by the states or by the federal government, who has the power. And when an issue gets hijacked and and turned into a political battle, the first thing to, to get thrown overboard is compassion, is our humanity and empathy. And so can we just take a moment and coach our church family, let's resist the temptation to sit aloft and dispute these matters uh, like they're political issues for sport. These are our sisters' and brothers' lives. And let's be compassionate and wise and intentional with how we engage and enter that conversation. Um, Would you put your coaching hat on? Grab the whistle and the clipboard and coach us for a few minutes. You're a a veteran of business, um, blue chip, small cap, now coaching, investing, advising, mentoring. Coach those in our congregation who are business owners whose business is, is in the balance. They have prepared well. There is a viable market for their product or service once the the dust settles. They just don't know when the dust is going to settle and they don't know how long they can hang on. What should they be doing? What should they be thinking about? Okay. Well, in order to be um, brief, I will say they, they should focus on three things. Um, so one is take a look at your business and really critically look at it and say, what, what, what really is succeeding? and what really is not succeeding and weed it out. Uh, So I've had the opportunity here with extra time on my hands to pull open some boxes and things of things we've stored, my wife and I have stored. And I look at some things and I think, well, I don't need that anymore. We need to do that with our business. We need to look at every aspect of our business. Say, is our cost structure correct? Are, Are there markets we shouldn't be in, markets we should be in that we're not? Have we employed all of the technology that we need to do? So one is reassess. Number two is to uh, create a strategy for reopening that involves three things, capital, employees, and customers. With the capital, do I have the capital that I need in order to uh, fully reopen? And if not, what steps do I need to take in order to get that capital? Some people are looking at, should they take some of these um, payment protect or uh, employee protection loans from the government and those types of things, uh, payroll protection plans. Um, The answer is maybe, but take a look at your capital requirements. Take a look at your employees. You have the right employee base. And when you reopen, do you reopen with all employees at once or do you gradually bring them on and in what order and what for what purpose? And then the third is the customers. How do you interact with your customers? And, and in this time period, make sure you're, you're in contact with all of them. Make sure you're in contact with your banker. Make sure you're in contact with your employees and make sure you're in contact with your customers. And then I really think the third thing is to uh, prepare yourself spiritually for what's about to happen and to, to really pray and ask God if 
if you are set uh, spiritually for operating your business. Proverbs 3, 4, and 5 is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but all your ways acknowledge him. Are you running your business from your own understanding, or are you acknowledging God and you're using godly principles in operating your business? Reassess that and make sure that you're doing that. And, and, and as part of that reassessment, you know, are you, are you treating employees the way that they should be treated and you're treating your customers the way that they should be treated? So just do a spiritual assessment of your business and be ready. I mean, some businesses, this is a growth opportunity. Some businesses, this is a retrenchment opportunity. And some businesses, this is survival. And you need to figure out which, which mode you're in and what your strategy is to do that. The people that are going to, nobody should be caught flat-footed. There's plenty of time to plan. But you're right, Rob. We got to get this thing open sooner rather than later. But do it in a way, speaking of compassion, you don't want to open businesses and make people sick. You don't want to make your employees sick. You don't want to make your customers sick. So what are the new rules? What's, what's the new process? And does it last for three months, six months, 12 months? It doesn't matter, but just determine what those rules are, figure it out, and everybody can, I think, survive quite well in doing it. That's so good, so practical, and so helpful. That's something every one of us can be doing in whatever it is that we're entrusted with, whatever our responsibility, all the more meaningful for those operating businesses. I run a, a small business of sorts. It's a nonprofit. It's a church, and, and I'm taking notes. Um, this, is, this is really important and helpful. Um, in his classic work of a couple decades ago, um, management consulting book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey talks about quadrant one and, and quadrant two, and then three and four. Remember, he broke up how we spend our time accordingly. Well, most of the conversation around that refers to quadrant one versus quadrant two. The first, of course, being the important and urgent and that dominates most of our days, especially as business leaders. Quadrant two is the important but not urgent. What I hear you saying in a nutshell is that if we see it right, this time for business leaders is like the ultimate quadrant two. It and is. so, yes, there's pain and yes, there's grief. And yes, we need to, to access that and, and acknowledge it. But what a time of reinvestment of thought capital. What a time to sharpen the saw and look at the things that we so often complain about not having time to get to, that which is important. All the more so as the business world is morphing into who knows what, uh, but but isn't urgent right now. And to, to spend that time this way seems very wise uh, with all of the uncertainty about the future. We can't control what we can't right. control, but what we can control, uh, may we be found wise and faithful in doing. You talked about making sure spiritually we're dialed in. You're um, by day business leader, but by night, um, you're, a, a, you're a pastor. You're a shepherd in the flock of God. And one of our elders here at Denver United and a, uh, an influencer in my life and so many of our leaders. Would you take a minute and switch hats and put your pastor hat on and just, just shepherd us for a few minutes or, or, or a moment here before we sign off or at the bout at the end of our time. But um, I, I would be remiss in not asking this of you for us and our church family. Um, where do you see God in this? And, and what are you sensing? Just, just share from your heart with us. Uh, it's very difficult 
for people to look at this spiritually sometimes, I think, and some people are wondering, where is God in this? And um, I see God all over this. And, and I have no idea uh, what the origin of all of this is, but I do know who God is. And one of the things he's doing is he's working both on a global basis and on a micro basis in me. And so the first thing I feel like the Holy Spirit showed me was that the fields are white for harvest. There is a harvest right now that is more ready, more ripe than I think we've ever seen in history. I came through the late 60s and early 70s. It was a time period when I got saved. It was called the Jesus Movement. You could walk up to somebody on the street and say, do you know Jesus? And they'd say, well, no, but should I? And it was the Holy Spirit had prepared so many hearts. You could start talking to someone and eight people would gather and five would give their life to Christ. And it was, it was a staggering time. These fields are more white than that. And if we will just reach out and if we will just in a tenderhearted way be looking around us, God will enable us to truly become fishers of men. He will enable us to interact with people. When he puts someone on your heart, pray for them, but call them. When, he, when, 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 you, when the doors open again and we can go out, that tenderness that you were talking about, there are going to be people who are hurting inside and smiling on the outside. Ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and discernment to be able to see through the masks. One of the things that I am praying right now is that God would remove the veil of darkness that is over the world and over the hearts and minds of people in the world, and that many, many more would come to Christ now. What an important time for us to have gone through this Easter and the resurrection and to be able to see the power of God's word. We now either are believers or we're not. There is no middle ground. That's one of the things that these circumstances do is they shake out the lukewarm. And in Revelation 3.21, he said, I will, you know, you're either hot or you're cold or I'll spit you out of my mouth. This is the time to be hot. Uh, God actually has more respect for cold than he does for lukewarm. It's an interesting thing. But this is the time to be hot. This is the time to reset your footing and to get ready. And when the gun goes off and the race begins once again, Paul said, run the race to win. And that's what we need to do. We need to run the race to win. And what race is that? That's the race to the harvest. And we need to pray the Lord to bring labors into the harvest. And this is the time for that. Amen. One of our friends, both of ours, uh, an investment guru, Jonathan Buchelman, in an earlier episode challenged us to be buyers, to think like buyers in this season. This mm. is a time of opportunity. Yes. Um, this is when people who make money in his world make their money. Well, in the same way, in the spirit, this is the time to be buyers. This isn't the time uh, to push pause, hibernate our souls until everything gets back to normal and then return to living on mission. We were made for a time like this. This right. is what Jesus Church was born for. Such an encouraging, challenging, and powerful word. Thank you for that. Would you just uh, pray for us, for our church family before we go? Father, we just thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to be in this world at this time. It is truly an honor 
to be called a son or a daughter of God. It is truly an honor to be yours, to be called and set apart. You have truly set us apart. You've given us the honor of being able to pray and intercede for others. You've given us the honor to be able to speak your word in, and be ready in season and out of season. Yes. And you've given us the opportunity to touch the lives of those around us. So Father, may we be ready. Maybe we, those who are doers of the word and not hearers only. Father, may we put into action all the things that we've heard and all the things that we've read about. But Father, would we use this even now as a time of reflection to be ready. And Father, may we be ready. May we be in action even now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bob, thank you so much for the time that you've shared with us, for your love for and your leadership in our church family. We're so grateful for you. Everybody, thank you for your time with us today. May the Lord Jesus continue to bless you and keep you strong and full of his love, uh, full of hope and peace. We love you very much. Amen.